All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is the Wally and Mathot Show, powered by Barhaven Ford. Now here are your hosts, Brent Wallace and Mark Mathot. Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Brent Wallace. He's Mark Mathot, who was doing Kucherov well before Kucherov was doing post-game press conferences. I thought for sure today, <laughs> based on your London Knights calendar, you'd be tarps off, towel around the neck. Yeah, and, and we joked about it. I, I, I don't, You know what? I think it's because it's, it's early in the morning, and it just feels wrong coming on your tarps <laughs> off with a beer in my hand. I just... It just doesn't seem right, especially when you're a dad and you have two kids upstairs waiting for you. So maybe uh, at some point, but not, we're not right now. I'm going to assume, though, Nikita Kucherov is still tarps off and it's no matter what time of the morning it is. Anyway, yeah, uh, we'll get to yeah, him later sure. in the show. Uh, this is episode 33 of the Wallingman Thought Show, powered by Barhaven Ford. Head in today and check out their new Roush-inspired BFC custom builds on F-150s, Rangers, and Mustangs. Vehicles built the way you want them, and an extra helping of high performance kicked in. Uh, stop in today, check them out. BFC Customs, uh, 555 dealership drive in Barhaven. All right, the offseason now math officially underway as the Stanley Cup has been awarded. They got the expansion draft, the entry draft free agency, the Brady Kachuk signing day. I'm sure that'll be a special. Um, and to talk about all those things, we have the Sens draft wizard himself on the show today. That's right, Trent Mann, the Sens chief amateur scout joins us so crack open a high tide no matter what time of the day it is uh and enjoy don't forget to use the whitewater coupon code for 15 percent off your purchase when you go to shopwhitewater.ca later on the show meth 
you have a bet to pay up on. Uh, we'll get to that presented by Faces Magazine oh. and Trivial Trivia presented by Pizza Forno. But at first, as always, let's get to the headlines. Built by BEI, Bonisher Excavating Inc. Helping to shape the Ottawa Valley. Visit BonisherExcavating.com. Number one, lightning strike. Tampa wins back-to-back 19th, ninth team in NHL history to win consecutive titles. Number two, Cooch goes off. Entertaining or disrespectful post-game presser. Meth will get you to weigh in. Number three, hmm. Tarasenko. Vladimir Tarasenko requests trade out of St. Louis. Four, sensible offseason. What lies ahead for the Ottawa Senators? And five, the match, that golf match. Was it entertaining or did we do a better job of playing the match with Ian Mendez and Sean Simpson? But first, let's get to the lightning strike. Uh, this really was no surprise. At the end of the day, they come down to win back-to-back titles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, I want to say that it didn't disappoint, but I feel like it kind of did a little bit, only because I think, like most people, I wanted to see a competitive series. Uh, it d- doesn't really matter what the outcome is of that series. I just wanted to see two teams battle. And, of course, Montreal battled, uh, but getting that one win isn't enough, and obviously Tampa takes it. And to do that in modern-day NHL, Wally, with – you know, with, of course, I know there's some contentious stuff going on as far as yeah. the cap goes and that they were over the cap by almost $20 million. But to do that either way and, and, and win back-to-back Stanley Cups in modern-day NHL is incredibly, incredibly impressive. And so we have to give them props for that. Vasilevsky, a monster back there as well. Where do they go from here? It'll be very interesting. I, I really do think it's going to be um, one of those situations in Tampa when, when the expansion draft rolls around that might be a little difficult for them. They're going to have to part ways with somebody pretty good. So I, I think, again, at the end, they don't really care about any of that right now. They just won their second cup in a row. Things are really good in Tampa. Uh, sky's the limit for that team. Okay, I got a couple of points here. One is you brought up Andre Vasilevsky. Let's just get to it right now. There was no mention before the handshake line that Andre Vasilevsky's equipment was too big. And now suddenly... It's the biggest yeah. thing in the world. Can we just for ex- just accept the fact that the NHL measures all of this gear and signs off on all of it? If you do not get it pre-approved, even the trainer yeah. gets fined. Like the head equipment guy gets fined. Oh, yeah. no, I, I, I just want this to go away. Like this, this wasn't mentioned in the first round or the second round. It's just now. <laughs> yeah, but and, and you're right, Wally, because there were quite a few comments about that uh, on Twitter, on social media with regards to his gear being too big. And I think it's all from that one shot where you yeah. can see him standing side to side with Carey Price, right? They're kind of looking at each other. And based off that angle, it just looks like he's very, he's got this, like, it looks like he's wearing this mountain of equipment on him, yeah. but he's also a really big guy, as you mentioned, Wally, and, and that it's, it's league regulated. They check in on all this stuff and have to approve on it before the season starts. It's a poor excuse. I think people are kind of grasping at straws at this point. They're really leaning heavy on the, the 20 million over the cap. They're now fine. They found this new flavor of the week, which would be his Vasilevsky's pads. At, at some point, you just have to respect the fact that they won and we got to move on. Like I know when you get good, people want to try and take you down so that, you know, they always cheer for the underdog. But if yeah. you put me in net with Andre Vasilevsky's gear, I'm not going to win the con Smythe. Can we just give him a little <laughs> bit of credit for winning the yeah. con Smythe and posting yeah, he moves- four shutouts? Like, Exactly. Four shutouts. And I was going to say, he moves pretty darn well for a guy in oversized equipment. So again, I think we have to understand that he is that big of a human being and he moves exceptionally well for his size. He's the best goaltender on the planet. The the whole, uh, again, we'll go back to that can't, the the salary cap circumvention, if you will, they still fit it Mm -hmm. under the rules, like under the rules, it still works. So regardless if they did it or not, it's still under the league rules. 
So therefore yeah, sure. it is legit. So if you don't like the rule, you change it, but not, you can't get mad at Tampa for just doing exactly what the rule states. So yeah, this whole spirit of the, the law, rights. letter of the law, it makes no, it just, it's a mute point to me. And that, it just bugs yeah, me that they're trying the to find page. ways. Patrick yeah. Kane came back. Remember in the cup final, I don't remember the yeah. outrage that there was for that. Now yeah, nobody's, Nobody's talking about previous examples. They're only leaning in on this Tampa Bay situation. So I agree with you. And then you brought up the salary cap, which is the same thing about the Chicago Blackhawks back then, is they had to dump players the next year. And so we'll probably have to see that for Tampa this year. And John and John yeah. Cooper alluded to it in his postgame press conference saying, we know this is a special group. We know that this is not going to be back. And so we want to savor it. You could tell there was a lot of that going on. There was It was like a nostalgic Stanley Cup, it felt like for me. Agreed. Yeah. And, and you yeah. make a good point right there. And that kind of reinforces what I said earlier. A lot of these guys, this is how it works. And this is why teams get blown up. All these role players that are on those, you know, third and fourth line guys, even on defense, they're all looking to get paid now, right? Stanley cup champions back to back. They want to get paid. So there's no way that roster staying intact. I think that's, I don't believe that's a secret anymore. It's too bad for that fan base. They're still going to be a very competitive team, but missing a couple of those pieces is going to hurt them. All right. Number two, Cooch goes off. <laughs> I can't help but laugh at this because it entertains me, but it's upset a lot of people. Uh, yeah. You aren't one of them, which I, I fully appreciate, I think, is mm -hmm. was it disrespectful because he took a shot and he didn't use Marc-Andre Fleury's name and he took a shot at Habs fans and he, I guess he wasn't dressed up and he wasn't sipping a martini. Like, is was this out of line? Well, it, it can be both entertaining and disrespectful at the same time, right? It doesn't have to be one or the other. Um, you know, they aren't mutually exclusive in that sense. I think for me, uh, and we I made it fairly known, it's the, the tweet is still catching like wildfire today. I think I was just speaking my mind. I was actually in the gym when I wrote that little post about Kucherov and how I felt like he's entitled to say what he wants. Montreal can say whatever they want. We all just need to move on. That's entertainment. And if, you know, as a fan... I was entertained by that. It's And it's not like he threw somebody's grandmother under the bus or anything like that. It was very simple. He was just, and maybe the little shot at Marc-Andre Fleury was a little disrespectful. I will agree with that 100%. But you got to remember that was about an hour after the game. He's dehydrated. He has probably pounded six to eight Bud Lights at this point. He's feeling really good. And again, that doesn't necessarily excuse him, but I can understand where he's coming from. He was taking a bit of heat throughout the postseason. Yep. So that was his FU moment. You know what I mean? That was his moment to say, you know what? I'm going to give the finger to everybody that doubted us or that was ragging on me for coming in late. I was genuinely hurt. I was playing with a, with a fractured rib there in those last games. I mean, there's nothing short of impressive. So we have to give them his props. Again, I can understand. Beyond, you know what? I'll, I'll rephrase this. The only people that are being negative are the Montreal fans. And understandably so. They're ticked off, right? But when I'm looking through all my mentions and people mostly, for the most part, arguing this point and Kucherov's stance and the way he handled that presser, it's they're all Habs fans. So, of course, they're going to be very loud. There's a ton of them out there, and I can understand their regret. But at the end of the day, this is an entertainment business, Wall. You know this. This is what we want. We don't want to see robotic interviews. No. We want to see personality. Bring it on. You just The NHL just got a heel for free in this situation, right? Now you've created a little bit of animosity with the Montreal Canadiens. You've got your heel. You've got more storylines for when they meet up next year. It's perfect for everybody. Everybody wins. I don't, I, 
Montreal fans get are too sensitive. And I'm going to say that because one, <laughs> remember when oh boy. Paul McLean went at uh, Rafael Diaz and said they shouldn't have yes. thrown the puck up to player 61. Well, I can't yeah. tell you the number of Montreal media during that series was like, that is so disrespectful. I can't believe he would say that just to call him player 61. Yes. Yes. Who and- cares? I know I'm agreeing. And, and, and it's funny because you make a good point in that. And I think a lot of the major fan bases are kind of like that, but I didn't even attack anybody in that tweet. Right. I basically said Kucherov can say what he wants. Montreal yeah. can say whatever they want. And even that I had some people with some pretty interesting replies and some of them were pretty offensive and they were coming at me pretty good, but I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to let them have this moment because they're passionate and they're not happy. So be it. If one of your teammates, uh, if Eric Carlson didn't win the Norris and he had 95 points and the next guy had 35 points and I, I won't say it's that close or it's, it's not that far apart between Vasilevsky and Fleury, but his reality yeah. is Vasilevsky should have won the Vesna and he's defending his teammate. And while he doesn't say Mark Andre Fleury's name, he a may not have remembered it, which is quite possible <laughs> at that moment with all the stuff that's going on and going into his body. So yeah. I just think that the whole work up over the Mark andre Fleury thing, while it's, it can be taken as disrespectful because it's not in the middle of the afternoon and he's not in a shirt and tie, I think in that moment he may not have remembered his name. But I do think they fully yeah. believe that Andre Vasilevsky should have been the Vesna Trophy winner. Vasilevsky, if I'm not mistaken, was the first team all-star and Mark andre Fleury wasn't. Like there was – it just – anyway. I, I know. I, I know it's weird to wall, yeah. Yeah, I agree. And and that's that's the weird issue. And, and it's it's tough because I don't want to be too firm in my stance with, with, with regards to the Vezina, only because those are two teams that really we only really paid a lot of attention to in the postseason, right? I mean, yeah. we were watching a little throughout the year, but we barely watched any of those games because we were following the North. So it's hard to really kind of put my stamp of approval on it. But based off of the numbers and the way that Vasilevsky looked, it's hard to believe that he wasn't the best goaltender. I think if you asked anybody in the NHL, they would agree that he's the best goalie right now yep. in the world. But maybe Marc-Andre Fleury had a little bit better and a little bit more consistent regular season factored in that he's not playing on a Stanley Cup championship club, which really shouldn't matter. But I think all those things kind of play a factor in the decision-making when it comes to the Vezina. But sure. But I'm just saying, like, you would defend Eric Carlson that should have won the Norris Trophy is my point. Like, Eric, like Kucherov is defending. Oh, right. Goalie, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Right? Yeah, of course. Of course he, I defend him. Yeah. So he fully believes I, I, it. So I don't take that away from him. Yeah. And, and and I think especially after you win a championship like that and you can finally just voice <laughs> how you're feeling without really worrying about jinxing anything or affecting your yeah. team's play. This is their opportunity now to be like, okay, this is how I feel. I'm going to tell you guys. And I think, you know, blah, blah, blah. Eric Carlson should have won versus so-and-so. And, so. and I, I for sure would have done that. So I guess yeah. I can relate in that aspect, but it's the shade, right? That's the for issue sure. right now. Isn't necessarily that it's the shade by not addressing Marc-Andre Fleury's name, feeling the need to mention him in a presser after you've won the Stanley cup. But you know what? He's filled with emotions. He's passionate in that moment. He's had a couple of drinks. He's got a little liquid courage in him. So I can understand where he's coming from. And again, my original point trumps all of this. It's entertainment. He didn't That's say anything I- offensive. You know what I mean? It's it's entertaining. I waited for 23 years for players to come out of that room and try to say something that was entertainment, which is why we loved heels or we just like guys who would say something and everybody would gravitate to it. Yes. So I'm I'm all for it. Like, I don't want the whole league to become F-bombs. I just would like guys to say what they think. Right. And the F-bombs is something that I think that's also a language barrier thing with him, right? Like, I think if you have a North American player Did you see Patrick Maroon? Like, was it, other was it after the game? 
Yeah, yeah. There was like I watched the full hour of post game stuff. Oh, I, like, yeah, there was I, I missed the Maroon interview. Okay, yeah, I'm okay right? <laughs> like whatever. It's I, yeah. Who cares? They, they well, you know what? And that's and Wally. It's funny because some people online were like, well. And this is what I always laugh at. Like this one person, I can't remember who in the, in the comments was like, well, you know, the NHL, they're role models and my nine-year-old shouldn't be subjugated to watching this. And I'm thinking like, why is your nine-year-old awake at, at midnight watching the post-game celebrations? Like maybe your nine-year-old should be sleeping. Uh, and, and again, that's, that, that, but, but like, that's just me. Like when I was watching games as a kid, you know, I wasn't staying up. I, again, personal personal preference. I don't want to get too deep here and get attacked by a bunch of angry parents. I'm a parent too. So I can understand, but like, come on, let's go. You're like, okay. we're talking about athletes heated in the moment. They're going to swear, sure. but I will say, and, but now here's a couple of points on that. And this is going to probably take the whole show is one. Um, my kid, I'm going to say probably at nine, maybe 10, I would always allow him to stay up to watch the Stanley cup celebration and to see the cup. Cause I want just, he's a okay, huge hockey guy. I'm unfamiliar. So, I'm like, so that, okay. You can have enough. that day off. And it used to be a school night cause it was back in June and I would oh still boy. let him do it. Um, yeah. So you can, you. all the parent letters you can send to me. So but, how would you feel? How would you feel then if, you know, you're watching an interview and so-and-so drops a huge F-bond and you know, your son heard it. Would okay, you address so I, it in the room? No, no. So no, no. My point. So my second point was regardless how much you try to shield your kids from this stuff, it's impossible in every day. Oh, if, yeah. you, if they're on any kind of social media, <laughs> do, if do they have anywhere, a cell phone? Right. <laughs> they so have you a cell see phone, it. right? So I, I, while I understand and appreciate, we don't want our entire society just to be dropped into a whole bunch of uh, garbage language, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's tough. It's pretty tough to get all that right. stuff out. There's live mics yeah, in every fair. broadcast too. Like you can yep, hear guys yep. in the corner saying stuff. So let's not yep. get all excited if they hear a word or two because. You know what? You can't shield them forever. Yeah, I agree. Well said. Well said. Um, so speaking of sensible conversations, we go to number or go to story number three. I skipped one. Tarasenko, Vladimir Tarasenko, is the latest star to want out. Now I don't know if I blame him. Uh, the story is out in the Athletic by Jeremy Rutherford. Does a great job of detailing this. Uh, yeah, I read Vladimir that. Tarasenko has had three shoulder surgeries in twenty-eight months. Uh, they didn't fix it in the first two. You can read the whole story. So. He wants out now. He is a five-time 30-goal scorer. He's had one 40-goal season, but he comes yeah. with a heavy price tag and an injured wing. What do you right. do with Vladimir Tarasenko? Yeah, that's interesting because at first glance, if you're a consistent 30-plus goal scorer, that's $7 million in today's cap. Is it? Is it huge? Like, it's, it's a big number for sure, but we're also talking about a star player and an all-star. Now, the only question is, where is he at health-wise? I think, I think if you're asking me, because he still has two years left on his deal, if you ask me, I mean, that, that would be my main concern. I know the player and that what he's capable of. I've played a lot against him, too. He's got a, one of the best releases in the NHL, um, especially his wrister. It's insanely good. So it comes down to how's his wing doing? And by wing, obviously, I mean shoulder. Is he able yeah. to play? Is he going to perform on that same level? I don't know. Would I take a chance on him? Does does and furthermore, do I believe a player like that would be good in Ottawa? I don't think there's any point in going after any guy right now like that because we're, we're in a perfect spot rebuild wise. A lot of the slots are filled. Unless we're vying for a cup this upcoming season, I wouldn't take that chance. So there's again, no chance I, you're paying Vladimir Tarasenko in Ottawa nine point five million actual dollars. Now there's probably no question that St. Louis is going to have to eat some money. But I can't – Yeah, I don't see any reason or any which way that Vladimir Tarasenko ends up in Ottawa. 
Well, he's he's gonna well, we know he's gonna go now because once you open the floodgates like that and everything gets public, especially from yeah. your agent or from yourself that that's been leaked that you're disgruntled with the team, that's a dark cloud over the team, and it's a huge distraction, especially when it comes to a star player like Vladimir Tarasenko. So again, I've only ever heard unbelievable things about him. I heard he's an unbelievable teammate, he's pretty quiet, uh, just a good guy to have in the room. So again, there's no nothing negative really coming from here from my angle, other than I would like to know if I'm a general manager in the NHL, where his health is at. So that's where the doctors come in. He'll have to go in and pass a physical, but the fact that he's complaining or that somebody in his camp has been complaining about botched surgeries with yeah. regards to the team, that's a pretty big deal. And that's a pretty bold accusation. So again, it creates a very uncomfortable situation for that club and, and, and team member. And so I'd like to think at some point here, probably free agency, he'll be gone. Here's my bone to pick with this whole thing. He has a no trade clause. So he gets to yeah, submit 10 control. teams. Okay. Yeah. Then you can't be in control. You can't pull. No, the doesn't he have Wally? Wally, doesn't he have a full? Doesn't he have a yeah. full no move? But, yeah. So okay. he's, I think he submitted 10 teams that he would go to. Okay. All right. And I, I'm fair. like, all right, you can't go. I want out and then go. I would like to pick and choose where I get to go, though. Well, I have a yeah. huge issue he, with that. Yeah, I know. I understand that, too. And I mean, that's something I probably would never have the uh, the uh, cojones to pull off myself. So I wouldn't I couldn't imagine being in that situation. But again, really uncomfortable. I think if you're him, it'll be interesting to see what his teams are. I, I'm not sure that'll be even be ever be released, of course. Yeah. But I'm curious, like coming out of St. Louis now, is he really going to pick and choose? Go for a winner? Is he going to just pick a nice spot to land? Doesn't really matter how the team does. That's to me going to be a big indicator of where he's at health wise. Well, in Jeremy's article, he does say that he wants to go to a contender. So, again, you're limiting well, teams once again. So they're all yeah. up against the cap as it is. You can't just – But that's a that's a, that's a a bold thing to say, though. Like, like when you're – like, it doesn't carry a whole lot of weight when your agent comes out and goes, yeah, he wants to go play for a winner. Like, that doesn't mean a whole lot. I, I, I want to see the physical paper to see exactly which teams he's picked because <laughs> you can manipulate the heck out of those teams, right? If you've got – if you're if you're in control and you can put 10 teams down on a list, you can manipulate it so that certain teams you know absolutely have no chance of going after you. So you're going to narrow your teams down to like three or four teams. That's what we did when we had to pick our 10 teams for the expansion draft. I, I know the Islanders are near the top of the list. I don't know if he's a fit there or not. I, he's got 34 yeah, games in the last two years, seven goals. I, yeah. I don't know what the answer is. I'd like to see this get resolved because I'm curious just to see how it plays out. Same with um, you got, I think Seth Jones is on the move. Cause I, I know he's at yep. UFA, but there's a lot of, yep. it seems big names there's some good, possibly. Yeah. Jack Seth, Eichel. Yeah. But Seth Jones, like that's another huge name that I haven't heard a ton about yet. Cause I know mm. his numbers are still really good, but he had been declining a little bit according to, you know, analytics, of course, yep. but I don't buy a whole lot of that. I think he's probably just looking for a fresh start. Cause he's in my opinion, one of the best defensemen in the NHL. So I'm curious to see where Seth Jones goes. Should be a good offseason. Speaking of offseason, number four, sensible yep. offseason. Uh, what lies ahead for the Senators that we don't think it includes Jack Eichel or Vladimir Tarasenko or Seth Jones? <laughs> no chance. No chance. <laughs> so uh, they've got, I mean, this is a big month for them. Obviously the draft, the expansion draft, the free agency. What do you, is this a quiet summer? You've got Drake Batherson and Brady Kachuk to get signed here. Yeah, I think those are the first, those are the, those are the main uh, issues, if you will, uh, yeah. or, um, you know, as far as teams and what they're planning on doing this offseason, I think, you know, the Sens are going to be relatively quiet. 
I don't like saying that. I don't see them making a ton of splashes. You know, maybe go after that top four that we were talking about on Deer. Get your top two center somewhere if you can find it and you're willing to pay for it. But for me, signing those two guys, that's going to be huge in Batherson and Kachuk. And of course, who are they going to pick at number 10? Who are we to judge right now at this point? Like, you know, we can speculate, but the uh, the Ottawa Senators, quite frankly, have a terrific uh, uh, record here, like over the past few years of picking up good players, top tier yeah. players in those first couple of rounds. They have an excellent draft record. So uh, for me, it's like right off the top of my head, a player like Mason McTavish, if he's available, I know a lot of player people, excuse me, were talking about going after a goaltender. I, I still like a player like Mason only because he's incredibly competitive and just from experience playing in the NHL, I know those guys are the players that end up playing for your organization for a long time. Those are guys yeah. that are hyper competitive. They, they just, they just want to go out there and win and win at all costs. So for me, based off of what we've seen off of scouting reports and some clips of how competitive this kid is, I mean, to me, that's a safe pick. If he's available at, at number 10, if not at, at this point, I have no idea who a lot of these players are. All I know is that the Ottawa Senators have done a really good job at drafting, so I'm not even going to try to, to judge their work. I will. The Mason McDavish thing is interesting to me. I I actually hope he's there because uh, he lives out here near me, and, and he's in Carp. I'm in Stittsville. He's uh, trains with people I know, and I know his dad yeah. a bit. And I've heard so many things about Mason McTavish and the way his work ethic is, and it's all his off ice stuff I've heard about. So, uh, yeah. he, and he's and he's grown up with players like Calvin DeHaan who play in the NHL. He's been around that kind of pro atmosphere. I think he's an absolute stud and I, I would love to see him in the lineup. And that's just a yeah. open prayer. And he, of and he had a him. really, yeah, exactly. And he had a, he had a terrific under 18 too in Texas. Yeah. Right. So yeah. like, we know that he can play like that. It's, there's no fluke here. We know he's a player. It's just a matter of who he goes to and how they get, how they get him developed. So I'm with you, Wally. It's not just a situation where we have a local talent that we should go after. Yeah. He is a legitimate top 10 draft pick. And that's, that's all that really matters at this point. The one, and maybe you can elaborate on this being in that environment is one thing that always people said about him and his coaches and his stuff is he would always shoot pucks after every drill. And so, you know, those annoying kids that would always be shooting pucks, but he wouldn't, he couldn't yeah. stop shooting and he's got a great yeah. shot. And so I, if you're on the ice with these guys all the time, you're like, dude, enough. Oh yeah. I you know you're going to be talking smack about him behind his back all the time. That's just what we do. It's like any line of work, right? You're, when you're in the office long enough, you start realizing there's some people that kind of bother you. They rub you the wrong way. You still respect them. You can still have a good conversation with them, but people have weird habits. And it, oh yeah, that, that was like Chris Neal when we played with Neeler and he always had to be first in line. Neeler. Yeah. And that, and that's a, and that's a credit to Neeler, right? He was such a competitive guy, but in practice, he always had to be at the front of the line. And then, you know, I want to say 25% of the time, he was busting the drill up because he wasn't really probably paying attention in line when we were being told what to do. So, you know, that's, those are the things and little quirks that can make you in quite frankly, a really good hockey player, right? Because yep. it's such a routine or, uh, excuse me, it's such a routine oriented sport as far as being a creature of habit and doing these random things. So a little quirk like that, that Mason McTavish has isn't a slight against him. It's a good thing. Uh, consistency is also another one. And, uh, and finally, yeah. number five, we go to the match. The whole Mickelson and Brady versus DeChambeau <laughs> and Rogers. Did, yeah. did you find it that good? I think this was the fourth installment. Was of okay. Yeah, it was fine. It was hard to follow like consistently. I, I think for me, like most people, yeah. I just enjoyed the banter, like between the guys and the players, like they could all just sit around in a room and have beers. And I'd probably be attracted to that just based off their conversations. Sure. Right. So I wasn't necessarily there for the golf. Um, 
And I know that it was a little difficult for some people to watch. I think it was on one of those random CNN international channels that not everyone has a subscription for. I saw a lot of people complaining to Bob Weeks on uh, Twitter about that, <laughs> but, but uh, no, I mean, it was, it was fun. I mean, I think I'd rather speak on our game Wally that we had against Simmer and <laughs> Indian maybe, and perhaps the, the rubber match that's about to happen here over the next week or two. So uh, again, it's a, it's a money grab, but it's entertaining. People enjoy it. So I can understand why, you know, the PGA got involved with that and set it up. And here we are. There is some biting commentary and Tom Brady is pretty hard going at Aaron Rodgers, And, and I know I find that Aaron Rodgers is a bit sensitive and stuff. Do you think the golf ball with seven <laughs> Super Bowl titles was great shade or a little excessive? <laughs> oh, you know what? From something I've known, cause I've been following Tom Brady for years now on social media and I'm a huge fan of his just because I'm, I like, I like winners. Right. And um, yeah, his attitude I found, especially since he's gone to Florida, I think Florida's rubbed off on Tom Brady. It's not like, I almost want to say Tom Brady's a Florida man now, you know, he's, he's got a little bit of an arrogance to him. He's a little quirkier, uh, but I'm, but I'm here for it. I love it. And, and that's a good example of all those Super Bowl titles and Roman numerals on his ball that takes up about half the face of the <laughs> golf ball. But I mean, and to your point with regards to Aaron Rodgers, yeah, it's, it, that's another thing where I didn't realize he seems a little eccentric, right? Like he's a little yeah. different. So I can understand now all the talk with regards with, you know, with the animosity between him and well, alleged animosity between him and green Bay and all that. So I can kind of understand now where that stems from based off of his general persona. But um, again, really good to see really neat to see players in a natural environment where they can kind of just shoot the shit together and have fun. And I think I, I like seeing the personality come out that always sells. And even guys like Charles Barkley with their commentary. I mean, it, it really works out nicely. Well, and I guess athletes of all spectrums can relate to it because when you get out and you're outside your environment and you get just to chirp other guys and just play that banter back and forth and it's great, include, and especially in a golf game where it's kind of laid back, those are the best moments, right? That's the stuff you live for. It's not a yeah. great shot or who cares. It's the how, did you, <laughs> how bad did you just burn me on the last hole with that comment? Oh, it's yeah. awesome. It's awesome. Uh, all right. Uh, those are the headlines brought to you by BEI Bonisher Excavating Inc. Helping to shape the Ottawa Valley. Visit BonishereExcavating.com. And Matt, you mentioned uh, you like winners. Well, we got a winner on the show coming up after the break. There we we go. go one-on-one, man-to-man, if you will, uh, with Sense Chief Amateur Scout Trent Mann. That's quenched by Whitewater Distillery, who have launched Paper Boat Artisanal Gin. Visit their Instagram page, by the way, Whitewater Distilling Co., and check out their Cocktails and Dream series where they serve up some tasty drink ideas. You're watching the Wally Mathon Show, powered by Barhaven Ford and their all-new Roush-inspired BFC custom vehicles. Visit barhavenford.com slash bfc-customs today. Welcome back to the Wally Mathon Show, powered by Barhaven Ford. Barhaven Ford has recently introduced its all-star lineup of custom builds. It's the Barhaven Ford Customs. Barhaven Ford has brought Roush-inspired custom F-150s, Rangers, and Mustangs to the nation's capital. At Barhaven Ford, they build the truck or Mustang the way you want it, customizing each truck or Mustang to fit your individual needs. Go to barhavenford.com slash bfc-customs or just go see them. 555 dealership drive to Barhaven, just near the Costco. Welcome back to the Whitewater chat room. I'm pleased to be joined now by the Ottawa Senators Chief Amateur Scout, Trent Mann. Trent, all the way back in beautiful New Brunswick, my home province. Nice to see you, my friend. Nice to see you. Welcome, welcome <laughs> to New Brunswick. Ah, I miss it dearly. Um, you've actually had to spend an awful lot of time there doing this quarantine. 
has it changed completely how you've gone about trying to prepare for this draft? Oh, well, I, I, I mean, we've had to, we've had to be ready to pivot at any time, really, yeah. quite honestly. And, and, um, and we're kind of turning over every stone we can possibly turn over to make sure that we have every little bit of information we can acquire. Um, I mean, you know, some players, unfortunately, the most important piece to scouting, you get, we haven't seen them in the rink, which is very difficult, obviously. Um, so it's like going to your tool chest and the best tool that you have in your tool chest is no longer there. Uh, but we've used everything at our disposal to, to, you know, to make, make a good decision here in a couple of weeks time. So, um, I'm confident in our group, like, uh, you know, I think their track record speaks for themselves. So, uh, I'm confident with our group that we'll, we'll make good picks. Um, it's just, it's, you know, it's just an unnerving time for them and, and myself because there's just some things that we've had to do differently and, and, uh, and, you know, it is the same for everyone, you know, luckily it's the same for everyone. But, uh, but at the same time, uh, like I said, I, I think that the, the staff have done some pretty good work here and, and put countless hours and the seasons went on long, you know, one season's drug into the other and, and, uh, and the next one will start the day after the draft. So, uh, I mean, that's, that's how it is, but uh, we're looking forward to it. Two weeks time. We're, we're, we're excited. Let's get it out of the way already. Who are you taking at 10 and then we'll just move on. Uh, so the only interviews over then, if I tell you, <laughs> nobody listens to our show. It's fine. Uh, well, you know, quite a hundred percent honest. Like, uh, we have a lot of debate left to do uh, to, to get to that point to, to make sure um, in the back of my mind, I know, I know who's in the conversations at least. Uh, but as far as who it'll be at, uh, at 10, it's not quite, it's not quite decided just yet. There's, there's still a few little pieces hanging over us, but that we're, we're, we're acquiring, you know, and, and help us be sure that we're making the right decision. Okay. So every year, and I completely understand that everybody says we're going to take the best player available, not to fill a role, not to fill a need per se, but you drafted 10 players last year. You have a plethora of young talent. Would this ever be the draft you would draft to fill a void? Uh, I, you know what? I think you have to kind of like look at to see who's available at the time. Like sure. there's sometimes there's just some players that you're just thinking, you know what? We can't, we can't pass on that player. Like they're just, they're just too valuable uh, of an asset that could help us in some area. And, you know, and, and, if, and if you go that route on a, you know, fortunately or unfortunately for Pierre, then he has, you know, he'll have to make a decision on, on trades or whatnot for later on. But, um, but our responsibility is to still look after the Ottawa centers and their best interests. And, and while sometimes those conversations do come up that, you know, should we go this route? Um, you know, I, I, they do come up, but the reality is, is that, you know, if the player is just that much better or the, we feel the value is just, is just too great, then we just, we have to do that. So many questions for you. I'm going to try and get through all these. Um, the OHL kids, you talked about not having seen everybody. How much of a disadvantage are they under going into this draft because of them not playing last year? Well, it's, it's tough for them. I, you know, I feel bad for them. I, I do feel bad for them. I feel bad for scouts, especially the Ottawa center scouts, uh, because you have to make a decision on those kids. But, you know, the reality is, is that we have reports on players that we potentially could draft this year. And the last time we saw them in the rink was February of 2019. Um, you know, that's, that's a long time ago. Like a lot of things can happen. Um, you know, like, you know, if I, you know, Drake Batherson, when he was a Bantam first year midget, he was just a tiny little kid. 
and, and look at them now. So those are the things that can happen over, over that window of time is, and quite honestly, if we, we are, we're not allowed to have face-to-face -face meetings yeah. with these, you know, other than you know, by Zoom, but the reality is, is that a kid could have jumped from, you know, a five, eight kid to a six foot kid, or, uh, you know, maybe they're, you know, maybe the way they play now, they're at 5'11", and they have a, you know, they're, they're going to be a real good player. And we don't know that 100% sure unless, except for what they're telling us, right? So we try to confirm heights and weights, but the reality is, is that there's no one there uh, confirming it for us. So. so one of the things I've heard is, and I think Meth and I have debated this uh, previously, and that is, it's not such a big deal about the kids who were projected maybe the first, second round, but it's those kids in the fifth, sixth round that may get left off the draft because you're not really sure about those guys and you take the ones you are sure about. Is that fair? Well, it very well could be. I mean, we have to discuss the upside of those players, uh, you know, that we haven't seen as much and, and what they could be um, and, and decide, or, you know, we roll the dice and go in this direction on what we feel there's potential to be here. Or if we go to the other side where we know a little bit more about them, um, however, still not as much as we normally would know and, and have to weigh that out. So those are discussions that, uh, you know, are taking place now. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not ones that we're familiar with because usually we have all the angles covered at this point, you know, our staff anyway, because I know our guys work tirelessly to, to get all that information. So, but now just sometimes it's just, it's just not there. There's no information to be had. So, um, there's been some good debates so far <laughs> from the guys on, on different players and then saying, well, yeah, but what if this guy is now is able to do this, you know? And it's like, well, yes. So how do we know that? And then there's, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to go check on this and I'm going to, so, and you know, the guys go, they go back to work and then, uh, and, and, and find the information that they can find out. So, um, you know, interesting process. It's, uh, you know, it's, a, there's a little bit of fun to it, but at the same time, uh, there is a lot of unknown this year for sure. Uh, how many mock drafts have you done? Uh, the interesting part is for the mock drafts on, on our end, we wait till the end. So we're getting close to doing ours. We'll do multiple. Um, we use multiple lists, uh, any list that we can find. We do our own. We, um, you know, interesting. I, I, I always have a meeting with, with Tim Patterson and Sean McCauley and we, and we create these scenarios ahead of time. Um, what could happen? And, and the, you know, the scouts don't know about it, of course. And, and, and we go through the whole process. We even last year, we even shut the power down, uh, did a mock draft and shut the power down uh, to say that we, you know, there's no power at the Ottawa, you know, at the CTC. Now, what are we doing here, guys? And we what we went through a process of that. So we didn't leave any stone unturned last year. We were we were well prepared, and uh, you know, and Sean and Tim were were extremely helpful with that, of course. Um, and uh, you know, it, it's it's interesting to get their outside, you know, their ears and 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 their knowledge base does help us kind of better prepare for the draft. How many kids are in the binder when you open it up of the draft for this year? Like, do you, are you, I guess you would know everybody obviously, but how many of you really watched in that binder? Well, I mean, for me, uh, I mean, the binder's bigger this year, right? So the, the list yeah. is longer because there's just so many players that, you know, well, what about this kid? What about this kid? And we can't forget about this kid. So um, to say that I watched every one of them, 
uh, I can't say that because that that be lying. But uh, but the area scouts do dig in on those and and they'll say, okay, you know what? I like this guy and this guy. I think we we need to we need to check you know check in on them. We got to watch more. And then so then I you know then I take that and then okay, so us three guys we're gonna watch this player on these dates and then we decide as a group. Well, you know, is this is this real or or you know are we putting them in here or are we or we moving them down and, you know, we'll, we'll work that way and, and try to, you know, make the list manageable because it could go on and on, you know? Um, I mean, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, I received this database, like obviously, you know, the NHL provides you the database that you have to pull from your picks. If they're on the database, you can't pick them on that, on that day. So they send you kind of like their generic one and then you have to add. And, you know, the one that they send is 700 and some players and I have to go through our lists and, make sure that if there's a name that's not on there, it should be in there. And it's funny because there's some really ones names that are kind of like household names that haven't made it in there for some reason, you know, for whatever reason. And then we're also adding names that, you know, like this, this is a pretty good player. Like they're not in there. And then, so you have to go through the whole thing of, of adding these names. So it's uh, so just in that alone, there's your, you know, we know that there's definitely more than 715 names (laughs) to be considered. So uh, the combine, you don't have a combine this year. So what, what do you, what, how's that affect, I guess, how you prep for the draft? Yeah. So what we've done is we've, we've acquired as much medical uh, information as we can. Central scouting does help with that because they send out um, information to a certain number of players and their agents for feedback. Um, I take all the information from our scouts, we compile it. And then, uh, you know, obviously Jerry town has to, has to, go with his group and, and check into the, all those for us and, and, and see what he can find out for us and give us a better recommendation of what we're up against. Um, you know, then there, there's uh, physical testing that we normally would see at the combine, uh, but we, we don't have. So there's some things that, you know, agents will send or, or there's just information we have that where I have to get strength, co- our strength coaches with Shortsy and, and Jaron and Rob take it, you know, they review that. Um, we have some skating issues that we, you know, we get Shelly Kettles to review and give her input on those. Um, like it's, it's ongoing, you know, like, like I said, that's just a few little areas that we use. You try to amalgamate all the information and, and figure out where they go. <laughs> I, I guess one of my favorite parts about the combine, although I don't get to sit in there is always hearing about the interviews that teams do with players and they come up with crazy questions. Uh, do you come up with any crazy ones? You let someone else and what's your favorite one you've heard? <laughs> you know, sometimes it, depending on the personality of the player, we'll ask them like, what was the what's the craziest thing you've been asked? Because we we don't really go there on the crazy thing because it's a short window of time. And I guess you know, some people may feel you get some information from that, but we really dial in on on uh, scenarios and and make the player talk about those scenarios and how they deal with those scenarios or how they respond to those scenarios or why they did this here or show them a clip and say, why did you do this? Or what was your thought process here? What did you see? Um, and force them to kind of, um, you know, let us know, like, you know, are they prepared or not prepared? So um, we have got some feedback where we've been told that the auto senders are, are a difficult inter- interview. Um, you know, I don't know, you know, I don't know how accurate that is. Uh, but some players, you know, some agents have come back and said, uh, uh, you know, I mean, there's players that we've picked that thought that we hated them. You need to lighten <laughs> up, maybe. 
<laughs> and it's like, no, we don't, we don't hate you. We actually were pretty impressed how you handled that. But, uh, um, so, but it depends, you know, like, it, and you can get all kinds that come in and like some talk, you know, like you can imagine what an interview with Brady Kachuk was. Um, but there's some that just, they only have a, they struggle to talk and, and they just, you know, they struggle to express themselves and they struggle to come up with any, anything like during the season, they can't recall anything. And I don't know if it's nerves or, you know, but so it, it's all over the place. <laughs> so has there been a player that one a is, I guess, knocked your socks off in the way that they handled, handled the interview, maybe Brady Kachuk. And there has there been others and you don't have to name them that you've seen that dropped in the draft basically because of the interview. Well, it does have impact for sure. Like, uh, I mean, Brady was Brady and you, and you kind of, everybody kind of can guess what it was like. Um, but you know, you know, who was an excellent, uh, interview was Sogard. Um, Sogard was, uh, Sogard threw, threw us off a little bit at, at, in our interview because we weren't prepared for it. Typically, you know, European player that, you know, some, you know, that they have good command of the English language are better interviews usually because it's easier for them we try to keep all that in mind and, and obviously his English is very good and he had played in, in North America. So, but he, he, he made you believe that, um, that he was going to be a starting goalie and that he, he, he knows what's, what's going on. He knows what he has to do and he knows what he has to get better at. And, and, you know, when we checked, like, like players loved him, like they, these teammates loved him and, and coaches raved about him and it was just, it was just, it forced us to do, to dig in a little bit more um, based on his interview, you know, and, and obviously we're, we're glad we did that. Um, and, and then, you know, there are some interviews where players just, you know, uh, they just don't show enough um, to lead you to believe that they're going to be able to help the Ottawa Senators win. And that's the, that's the bottom line. You know, there's good players, there's good players in NHL, but, but we're looking to pick players that help us win. And that's, you know, we just don't want good players. We want players that can help us win. Does Trent Mann second guess himself a lot? Like, even if you're at the grocery store and you want a green apple or a red apple, you're like, man, which one do I pick? No, I, you know what? I'm, I, for me, I, I, I acquire as much information as I can as quickly as possible and I just pick. And, um, and for me, like I said, I, I, I think I'm well prepared for, for drafts just based on the fact that, uh, the staff provide me with every piece of information that I need to make a decision if I need to. And sometimes I don't have to make a decision because it's very, very clear what the decision is. Um, but equally when I have to, uh, I'm prepared to do so because I have the information from the scouts and, and then quite honestly, you know, and, and then, you know, Pierre has been through the process as well many times over the years as well. So if there's something I can, you know, I can obviously run it by him and just say, this is what, I know Pierre, this is which way I'm leaning based on this. What do you think? And, and so that's obviously a helpful tool that not every chief amateur scout would have either. Right. So you've got such a great list of prospects that you've drafted. Is there, this is going to be tough. It's like your children. Is there a favorite pick that you have? Well, I mean, um, well, you know what, I, I have a soft spot for the Drake Bathurst one and, and, for a couple of reasons. One is it was the first draft that uh, I was in charge of. Um, secondly, it's a fourth round pick. Uh, and thirdly, he was a kid that went through the draft already. So, and, and I guess, and then more importantly, he's an awesome guy. <laughs> uh, so, um, 
and I guess I, I, I throw it out. He's also a Maritimer. So that, that just you know, thinking that, that. that, that's kind of, at the you know, but it is, but you know, when you put all those things together, it's a pretty, it's a pretty special pick because um, you know, he's turned out to be, you know, a pretty good player yeah. uh, and will be a good player. And um, so, you know, so, you know, we're proud of that. Um, you know, I, I guess just based on, on those, those pieces of, you know, pieces of information, but, the reality is, is that, you know, like you know, I go back and I ask staff all the time about this, you know, and it doesn't matter whether it's American league staff or if it's a, or if it's a strength coaches or, if it's, you know, like any area of the organization, it could be, it could be John and, and Ian Cox, you know, just ask, just want to ask them about these players afterwards because it's valuable information for us moving forward. I think it, it can help us make better decisions moving forward, just get feedback from them about these guys. Um, and who they are and, and what they're like to deal with. And, um, but, you know, and, and so, um, so, so like, you know what, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of good ones, but, uh, but, you know, like that one there, I guess just stands out right away, but equally, you know, like kid, like, like Parker Kelly, you know, wasn't even drafted, like, but, you know, we really want him at camp. And, and I remember having a conversation with, uh, with Randy Lee at the time just saying, Randy, listen, like, the staff, like we feel strongly with this guy. He's going to go in the third round if he goes back in the draft. That's what's going to happen. And uh, and you know, so you know, luckily, you know, then Randy went to Pierre, and we were able to to come to a, an agreement with his agent, which is very good. And and you know what? I think he's a guy that's going to play in the NHL. You know, and and uh, and uh, at some point he's going to he's going to play. You know, when and you know where it is. I mean, I don't know that part. You know, that's sure. that's beyond me. But but, you know, those are good stories. You know, those are good stories as well. I got a couple others to ask you, but I'm not going to go through your entire draft class. Is um, Igor Sokolov is a huge uh, friend of the show. We like to have him on as much as possible. He's a guy that went into uh, two drafts, if I'm not mistaken, and got passed over. So what is it that you liked about him? And were you at all surprised of how good a season he had uh, leading Belleville in goal scoring? Um. Well, I, I mean, surprised in the fact that I guess I, I thought it would take just a little bit longer for him to adjust. Um, and I, I and honestly, I watching the first couple of games, I thought, geez, you know what? It's going to take a little bit of time here. Um, so the, the little time that it took him to adjust was the most surprising part. Not that he can score because I, I was confident he's going to score because he's, he, he's, he's, he can score. I mean, that's what he does. And yeah. I think he's going to do it at any level. Um, so, so that part, I guess that would be the most surprising part, but he, he's, uh, you know, I kind of dug in on him a little bit more as far as information, uh, you know, late, just a couple of months prior to the draft. And, and, and I had, uh, you know, just had an interview with him and had, you know, I had Jeremy Benoit. I said, Jeremy, like, you're going to, like, if we pick this kid, he's going to be on your team next year in Belleville. Like, like, take a look, like, take a look at this kid here. Like, you know, and then the agent was sending little clips. He says, look, look what he's doing in the gym. And, and I said, well, I'm not allowed to ask you. He says, I know, but I'm sending it to you. Take a look at this. And I said, okay, well, I'll take a look at it. And, and um, then you meet the kid and you, you just dig in a little bit more and you find more information. You, and then, you know, we're sitting in the second round and, and you're thinking like, you know, you know, I'm looking at the names. And I think this, this kid here could score. Like why? why not do this right now? You know, this is, this is the time, you know, and, and, um, and, you know, staff are on board with it and, and, you know, the rest is history, I guess, but uh, like, 
I mean, I'm sure you get the same feeling. There's not much that's going to stop this kid from scoring in the shell level. I just, this is, you, you know, barring some, you know, God forbid, some some bad injury, but yeah. like he just, oh. you know, he's contagious, right? Like just contagious. And, and, uh, we, we look forward to seeing. We hope he, he cracks the lineup here soon. And I, to complete as a fan, but we still would love to see him in the in the lineup. Is okay. Um, heated discussions or arguments that you've had in the draft war room, if you will. And I, I think if I'm not mistaken, uh, cause Craig sat in one of these, is it Shane Pinto? Which draft was it where I think it was the start of the second round and there was lots of debate. Yeah. Well, there, there was a number of players in that in play at the time. And there was some teams looking to um, looking to move uh, at, towards the end of the first round, beginning of the second round. So there was, there's a lot of switching or not. There's a lot of teams looking to just swap up picks and, that. and, um, and, and yeah, so that, that got pretty heated because there was, there were some other names as well at, at the time that we were interested in and, and staff were interested in. Um, and then, you know, and then LA wanted to, you know, was looking to swap picks at the time too. And um, anyway, it just, it got to be like, we were just, it was back and forth. And, and I remember Pierre said, well, I had this scenario and then somebody was, we could have traded this and we could have traded. And, and so, um, I mean, everybody gets so, you know, they're just invested like just emotionally on the whole over that time. And it's, uh, and when you look back at it and you can have a chuckle afterwards, but at the time, like you're just, you're, you're, you just, you want the best for the Ottawa center. So you just, you know, like, let's make the best decision here. Um, but, uh, but of course, yeah, no, he was, it, it was a debate for sure. And I, and then we kind of listened, like I said, I listened to everyone's information and I just, and Pierre said, well, we can make this, we can swap with LA. And I said, you know what? I said, Pierre, I said, listen, our guy, Shane Pinto, let's pick him. Let's just be done with this, you know? And, and he says, okay, if that's what you want to do. Let's do that. And, and so that's, that's what we end up doing. So those are the um, ones that you have to kind of make a decision on based on the information you have from all your scouts. And, and, um, and I mean, there's a lot more, parts that I guess I probably can't repeat because <laughs> uh, the language is probably not appropriate, but, uh, but I love it because you know what, like it just allows me to do, you know, to do the best job for the Ottawa centers if the guys are that passionate about it. Right. Like it just, it's, uh, so, but we have some, we have some laughs later on with, uh, over a couple of cocktails, of course, and, and, uh, and different stories come up over time for sure. And that's, that could be one of them. So is he like one of those guys where you see make his NHL debut and went, I'm glad we did what we did at that time because look at him now. Like, is he, I guess, is he a special player for you in that sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think what happens is, you know, like if he's not high on a public list, people will question it. And I, I right. get that. I'm okay with that. That's, that's you know, like a fan's prerogative. There's just there's information that we have that the average person doesn't have, you know? Yeah. And, and for him, like, you know, when we met with him and we dug in a little bit, you know, like his ability, his abilities as an athlete, not just a hockey player, but as an athlete and his, his multi-sport seasons and the fact that hockey was just, he, he hadn't even kind of scratched the surface on his development. And what we saw at that time, you know, just like, geez, this kid could be real good. Like, you know, and, and, uh, and, and he was, he was so, uh, so invested in getting better he wanted he wanted as much information he could he could get a hold of to be to be better you know and uh and so you know what i mean uh we'll see we'll see where it goes but 
the one thing I do know is that it won't be for lack of effort or lack of, of investing in himself to, to be the best player you can be. And, uh, you know, you, I mean, you can have conversations with Sean Donovan and Jesse Winchester, but him, like, uh, you know, they, uh, it's just, it's, it's fun conversation to hear about afterwards, you know, cause he's pushing them all the time he wants more, he wants more, you know, like, what else can I do here? And why does this guy win face-offs? And why is that guy better on face-offs than that guy? And, and you know, like it's, those are the little things that make those players, you know, special and, and, and have the success that they have. So, um, so yeah, so Shane Pintley, he's another, he's another good one as well. Um, okay. So I, one of the things I've learned, and I think it's through Craig is that is you kind of have like a scouting mentorship program it, and that's probably not what you call it, but a, about pairing perhaps veteran scouts with younger scouts. Is that something you do? And perhaps can you explain it? Well, that's, I, I, I mean, the beauty about our staff right now is that we have a ton of experience on the, on the, the older scout, um, what they bring to the table and the, and their, I guess their experiences over the time. We have a young group that are coming in that are hungry. that want you know, that are good scouts. Um, and they bring a skill set that's different to the older scout that brings a different skill set. And when you meld them together, you end up with a pretty a healthy staff. I mean, the nice thing is that the younger guy has a ton of respect for what the older guy has done and accomplished. And the older guys are receptive to the younger guys and what they bring to the table. It's a little bit different than what they're used to. And that's not always the case, right? I mean, yeah. sometimes people are set in their ways and they just want to do it the way they want to do it. And that's it. Um, the nice thing about our group is that it's not that way. And, uh, you know, uh, I mean, you know, Don Boyd is 30 some years in the game, you know, has been, you know, has been in management, you know, George Farger has been with the team over 20 some years with the Ottawa Senators. Bob Janicek has been, you know, over 20 some years uh, with, you know, NHL playing experience from, you know, the smite division times. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like those are different experiences that, you know, like, like I don't have those experiences, you know, and, and I rely on those guys, you know, um, you know, Miko Rutu. I mean, the Rutu family are like hockey royalty in Finland, you know? Um, so uh, we're tired of, tired of, and, and, you know, but those, all that younger group just kind of, they meld them together and, and uh, you know, we sit around and, and we can banter with the best of them. And, and we always start, that's how we start our meetings. Like, listen, guys, we're here to debate and we're here to argue and, but when it's all said and done, we're going to, we go for a beer together. We're all on the same side. We want the best. I know we want the best, but we have to be respectful. And, and you know what, the guys don't need the reminder, but it's always a good way to start it off. And, and uh, you know, I can't, I can't say enough about the group that we have. Uh, so draft day would argue, I don't want to call it your Super Bowl. I, I don't think that's, but it's obviously the day that you plan for every year. Right. So now, the GM, Pierre Dorian's coming to you going, we're going to trade this pick. Are you like, Pierre, can I just have the pick, please? I already know who we're taking. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, you know, and that's the, that's the play. Like, I, I think it's our responsibility to let them know, okay, you can make that trade, Pierre, but this is what you're giving up. And, you know, and, and are you sure you want, to, you know, <laughs> but I, and all fun, I guess we'd say that, but the reality is, it is our job to let them know what we would be getting. And, and at the time he'll have to make a decision, I guess. And, uh, but it's our job to inform him, right? It's our job yeah. to give him the best information we can at the time. And, and, uh, and we take that seriously and we are protective of our picks. There's no doubt. Um, 
but uh, but the group have done a good job. So you know, it gives it does give them a little bit of credibility when they when they want to make the pick, of course. Um, but we also know, like moving forward, we've you know we've restocked pretty pretty well. We feel um, there's always room for improvement. But the reality is, as we move forward, you, you know you can't go to the draft and say, okay, well we need this in our lineup and just hand pick it and say, well, now we're good. I mean, that, you know, we understand that at some point in time trades will, will make their way to the, you know, to the Ottawa centers where that's, you're going to have to do. And that's sad for a scout. Uh, but it is our job to continue to, you know, to find the, you know, the fifth or sixth round guy that will do the same thing. And that happens. And, 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 you know, the Sens have done a pretty good job over time with that. So. Uh, the draft tables always have bowls full of snacks. Which one are you grabbing in the bowl? What's your snack at draft day? Uh, well, I mean, I mean, chips are, are an awful thing to have around because it's tough just to you know just to start and not and, and, and to stop. So, so I, I I try to ask them to kind of keep that stuff down at the other end of the table because uh, and, and uh, just keep. Filling up, fill myself up with water and coffee, and 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 try to stay away from that. But, um, but yeah, that's stuff. <laughs> that's, that's a hard one. <laughs> Do you guys just pick up the phone and try to pretend you're making calls just to throw people off? No, no. Always. Uh, you know what? This one thing. Uh, Pierre is always uh, talking to someone to just to find out what's what's happening and what our options are. So uh, I have to say that no, that's. Do you guys look around like and notice GMs talking over there or someone talking there? Absolutely. You know, absolutely. I mean, I, I you know, that, that's the, there was, the, you know, I mean, we do it virtually and we have to because yeah. of the world situation and we'll do it again this year. And, but, but looking forward to getting back to the feel of the draft, like there's a, you know, it's like when you go into a hockey dressing room and the smell of the equipment makes yep. you feel like you're, you know, it's hockey time. Well, on the draft floor, it's, it, there's a, there's a odor in the air of, of uh of hope and 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 transition and all kinds yeah. of you know things that are brewing you can just feel it and uh you know we're watching bob mckenzie and darren Dreger run around and and find out their information and who they're talking to and gm's talking i, I that's I, that's a ton of fun for us really i've been on the draft floor uh and watched that all transpire and it is it is kind of neat because it's just like you don't know what's going to happen like all the yeah. scouts and all you guys know what you're picking, what you're doing, but well, maybe there's a big deal that's going down here that's going to throw everything off. And we just want that stuff, right? That's what oh, you live for. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And it, and it becomes harder and harder to do as time goes on, you know, with salary cap and all kinds of other things in, in play, of course. But um, but it, it's not easy. It's not easy to move at the draft. That's, that's I yeah. know that for sure. It's, it's you know, you, you, you know, there's a lot of work done on things that just don't, they, they just don't surface in the end, but, uh, but a lot of work was done in the background to see if you could get to that point. And, you know, unfortunately. Um, Has um, Gary Bettman ever stood up and, and said, I got a deal to make that through you guys or anybody like for a loop, like who did not see that coming and how it affects perhaps your draft. Uh, I don't know. I, maybe, maybe the timing, but not necessarily. And you know, it becomes less and less. It's just, yeah, it does. You know, I'm trying to think maybe just off the top of my head is one that maybe, Kind of was like, oh, you know, um, but the crowd does that anyway, so they're they're always, like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, 
Yeah, I, you know what? I, I, don't, I don't recall right off the top of my head one specifically that happened, but uh, but now it's just like I say, it's just it's so yeah and the virtual stuff just takes the whole life out of it almost can you guys not say i want to thank the city of whatever before you start can everybody just stop doing that that is my well well once one once one team does it then the other ones are saying like how do we not do it right yeah Yeah. thank the tampa bay lightning for i'm like stop i don't want anyway that's just my pet peeve um so i guess as you build up to draft day does the expansion draft have an impact how do you go around the expansion draft or do you do you have any idea how to manage through that yeah well i mean that's you know it'll be interesting to see how it navigates a little bit now because you know obviously vegas has been through it and 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 teams have learned i think uh maybe not willing to be so aggressive maybe at protecting someone but uh but i mean it'll have a hell of an impact for sure because there'll be some things they're going to swap here as far as picks and and potentially the player that gets picked and who's left and, and um, you know, and salary cap things will all come into play. So, so picks will be, will be at a premium I'm guessing here. And, and, uh, and, you know, so Pierre will give me a call and he can kind of gives me a little updates here and there of what, you know, what could be, what could be brewing or what might be happening. And, and, uh, and so just so that I'm aware, you know, when we're doing our thing, but at the end of the day, our job is still to make sure we have the best list possible. And he has the information that's available that when we're picking. This is what's this is what's available, Pierre. And and um, you know, do we need to make a deal or or do we need to move? Do we, you know, so the one thing uh, just on expansion, and I know that's not your wheelhouse, is that you guys are set up really well, though, based on it. Just appears that most of your guys are protected. That it's not going to have a huge impact. Obviously, you don't want to lose anybody, but that's the rule. So. Um, you, you guys must be pretty comfortable going into the expansion draft. Is that fair? Yeah, I, I would say, I mean, and just, just more for me personally, I mean, I, yeah. you know, it's, you do feel pretty good when you look at the roster and you think, geez, he's protected. He's protected. Thank God he's protected. You know, like, yeah. and, and we are in a very, very good spot compared to some. And, um, and, but you, like I said, you, we're going to lose some one person, you know, one player, that's for sure. Um, and, and who it is, I mean, you know, like we'll see where that where that where that tumbles, but um, but but the reality is is that you know is you're losing someone. So I mean, and sometimes you know, like it's just sometimes staying pat is 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 the best. But um, you know, but it's, it's interesting to see what teams some teams will do that are having you know are a little bit not in our situation. You know, kind of the opposite of the spectrum that you know are having cap issues or have a lot of you know like players in their prime that can't keep them all. So, well, and if you do, you, you might be able to keep them, but yeah. there's, there's definitely some side deals going on to make sure that that, that happens. So I, I don't want to keep it much longer. I do want to ask, how is it that uh, Troy man is a coach and Trent man is a scout? Uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, Troy's always had that coach uh, hunger. Like, uh, and I, I just, I remember him like, even when he was playing, like he just, he analyzed the game, pretty well like as it was happening you know or 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 players like you know how they played certain ways like he just he he was just kind of he was kind of a student of that and I remember you know his conversations you know repeating kind of conversations he said with Bruce Boudreau and and you know then you know Barry Trotz and it's I mean he's a student of that like he he loves it like he can't get enough of it for sure and I'm sure his wife gets 
his daughter get fed up with it sometimes, probably, I'm sure. Uh, from my end, I, I, you know, it's not that I don't enjoy coaching, but, you know, being out there and, and trying to, the challenge of looking at some kid that's, you know, just a young kid and, and try to project what they're going to be five to six years down the road is, is, is a challenge. And, yeah. uh, and I, and I, you know, building something is fun, you know, like uh, trying to put something together to say that, you know what, this is, this is where it started and this is where it ends. And, and it's, and to get to that point is, is uh, you know, that's for me, that's, that's my fun, you know, uh, Troy likes to pick apart systems and I, I, you know, I just, I, I like to build and, and uh, be part of that. So. It is fun. I will, I don't want to keep you is um, when you s- go through the draft and after you celebrate all the guys you've selected, will you have like a lobster meal? You've been in New Brunswick enough. Have you had lots of lobster? Are you a seafood guy? Well, you know, my, uh, my wife, my son don't, like seafood so typically i have to be kind of with my parents to to really have a reason to get it um but uh but we grew up on it so fish and seafood so we you know for me personally i like it all there's not much that i don't enjoy um you try to stay away from the too much lobster because too much lobster is probably not good for you either but uh but uh but yeah it's you know you kind of look forward to those times where you're with your with your family so you have a reason to get it uh, the lobster and the, I, I, it is very good. I, I don't really like lobster, but I, I do appreciate how people enjoy it on the East coast. So um, enjoy all that you can for this summer. I know it's been a hectic summer and I, I look forward to seeing how it all plays out in the draft. You don't want to give us the 10th overall pick, right? Uh, well, I could, uh, <laughs> but I could be wrong if I give you the name and then we end up switching things up over the next couple of weeks. Well, and I, I- I'd be called a liar and, and then I, you know, take away your credibility. So I, I, I don't want to forget that. Spot, so. Fair enough. I, w- I wouldn't want you to be wrong. So we'll just have to sit back and wait, but we do look forward to it. Uh, Trent, man, thanks for your time. Enjoy the rest of your summer. Thank you. Time for on the points brought to you by sportsinteraction.com slash Wally and Mathot. Sports Interaction is Canada's odds makers. Log on to sportsinteraction.com slash Wally Mathot today to get in on the action. Must be 19 years of age or older. Okay, Matt. They're already still drinking from the cup down in Tampa, and now the odds are already out for next year's Stanley Cup winner. So why not? Let's just pick it. Uh, Who do you want or who do you expect to win the Stanley Cup next season? Now, the odds are Colorado odds on favor to plus 518 Vegas, and then Tampa – and then those dastardly Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, and this is a tough one. I, 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 I got you. Got to think Tampa's not really going to be in the mix. I can't imagine them winning a third in a row. Again, no. it's in, it's entirely possible. But with the cap issues they're about to have, and quite frankly, all this hockey they've been playing, you got to think they'll fizzle a little bit. I'm sure they'll still be a very competitive team, of course. Uh, but between. Uh, Vegas and Colorado, I think those are naturally going to be either one. uh, For me, it's a coin flip between those two picks. And I think naturally you'd have to gravitate towards either of those teams. I like Vegas still at this point, only because I just love the way they're built. They're built for, they're built to last. They're built for playoff runs, obviously uh, a disappointing run here in the end for them this year, but I still like them over Colorado. So I'm going to go with Vegas. I, I Interesting. Really, I, have no, I have no choice. I have no I, choice. Well, I, I can appreciate that, but I, I don't like the way they're built because I don't think they're built down the middle. And that's, that became mm. a huge problem for them in round three is they couldn't. There's When Chandler Stevenson got hurt, they had nothing down the middle. So 
Yeah. I need I need them to fix the hole down the middle. So I will stick with Colorado. The only issue is yeah. is Vegas has better goaltending and goaltending wins you championships. Yeah. I, so I think they, I, I think they're better. I think they're better on D as well. I'm gonna I'm gonna go as far as saying that Vegas don't have a yeah, I think yeah, Vegas, for sure. Oh, is they're deeper on D. I think they're D core yeah. a lot like Montreal. And I think we can agree, right, Wally? Their D yeah. and their goaltending is better. And to me, that's usually a key ingredient for a championship. But, but they got but in the third round, they couldn't play down the middle. So well, you they lose got your number one center. I know Chandler Stevenson doesn't strike a lot of people, maybe as a number one center because he's kind of coming out of the woodwork a little bit as far as his yeah. emergence into that upper into that higher role on a team. But when you lose a number one center. I mean, it's going to affect your lineup no matter who he is. So, yeah, I still agree with you. Yeah. I don't think they're deep enough, but, I mean, that's tough because they've got a lot of money spread out throughout that lineup. So, I don't know where they go on this one. I think they're going to have to with what they have. You and I both know, however, that it's likely not going to be one of those two. It's going to be some obscure team that comes out of nowhere. 100%. I so, agree. <laughs> and it, for me, it's been the Islanders and Florida, and, and yeah. I'm not convinced it's Florida – the Islanders are plus 2,300, which puts them in around ninth. Yeah. Where do, who do you think at the bottom? The Rangers are interesting to me. Who do you think at the bottom? Well, what about Toronto? What about Toronto? No, they won the North No, North come on now. They're not even You and I cannot pick I the Toronto Maple Leafs to win the Stanley. Well, I'm not picking. I'm, I'm not picking them. I'm just saying it's just, it's, it's funny to me that we're not even talking about them yet. You know, of course they choked but they still finished first in the division and they were, they were a legitimate team. I mean, they were overwhelming teams throughout the season. So and what's wrong with the Toronto that, Maple Leafs? Well, their defense isn't fantastic. They're front loaded up front on that top line, maybe so, missing a little bit of depth throughout their lineup, maybe, but it's hard to critique a team that finished first in, a, in their respective division. So again, yes, we can, <laughs> and we're going to, of course, I think, I think, I think, and we talked about this before. I don't want to keep repeating myself, but yeah. Tavares going down, I think was a significant blow to that hockey club in the postseason. And then of course, uh, Felino can comes in and, uh, you know, was slotted to play with some of these guys who ended up getting hurt and the things just yeah. kind of backfired and you get that trickle ripple down effect throughout the team. So again, I think you're going to see a highly competitive team again next season, obviously out of Toronto. I think they're going to be incredibly motivated um, but again, show me what you can do in the postseason. Until then, we can't trust them. I find their their goaltending questionable still, and they don't even have an answer, right? Because Freddie Anderson so is not necessarily signed. No. So until that gets no. resolved, I, you, we've said it all along: goaltending and defense wins you championships. So yeah, and, and I like the Islanders. You, you mentioned you mentioned the Islanders there, yeah. Wally, and I think that's another really good sleeper pick. If you want to call them a sleeper pick, I, they're not sleeping. Everyone knows who know. they are and how good they are. But again it's hard to have them in that conversation when you're busy talking about Colorado and Las Vegas. I do think the Islanders are one of those teams that can make a legitimate, uh, uh, have a legitimate shot at it next season. Sure. All right. Uh, so they've also broken down next Canadian team to win the Stanley cup. You said Toronto's the front runner, Montreal second Edmonton. Who do they have? Uh, Toronto at plus plus one twenty-five. So yeah. Ottawa is last by the way, which is interesting. Uh, well, at least yeah. it is probably to us. So, yeah. I, okay, let me throw it to you this way. Can you put in order the top seven or the Canadian teams for next season? I know I'm going to throw well, this at you. Well, that's fine. That's fine. I, I don't like – see, I, I'm, I'm looking at teams like Calgary right now and at teams like Vancouver, and I'm just – I don't see it. I don't see it there. I, I think Ottawa can leapfrog those two teams easily if, if, if of course, they continue their – they're fairly decent player going into the start of the right. next year. But, but again, 
I mean, what, as far as favorites go, I think Montreal's going to dip. I really do. I think that they've peaked at the perfect time right now, and that's why you're seeing this perfect storm where they make it into that Stanley Cup final, and obviously they get borderline swept, but they still made it there, and they earned that position. But I do think they're going to miss out next year or at least be very close to missing out because we've had this, this conversation with other people, and look at how deep the Atlantic – is going to be, oh. um, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of teams that you have to bypass. If you're the Ottawa senators, I'm rooting for them. I do think they're going to do well, but if we're talking about the Canadian teams right now, I'm looking at Toronto, I'm looking at Ottawa and Edmonton, Winnipeg's in the mix too, but Toronto for sure will be that number one team. Um, but that's assuming that it's structured that way. Do we even know how the, the, the league is going to be structured next, next season yet? No, but we expect it to go back to the regular Exactly. Uh, but I mean, so, so, so it'll be, so the Canadian teams are going to be split, but I do think yeah. that a team like Ottawa has a legitimate chance at making that playoff spot if they can find their way early on. And like last season. And then of course it all depends on how teams like Montreal does, you know, how's, how is Toronto going to look? We know they're going to be a power horse again. They're, it's just, a, it's just a fact. So for me, if you're an Ottawa Senators fan, you're in a good position. You don't have to panic, let the team grow. They'll be okay. They may not make the postseason next year, but they're on the right path. Okay, let me throw this at you, and that is uh, the way Montreal finished, and now with Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki, uh, Cockney-Emmy, young talent coming, could Montreal be the best team in Canada next year? They could be, and you'd think based off of the way they finished that they will, but again, I'm just concerned with some of these old guys that they have. Yeah, Stahl, Gallagher, like – yeah, exactly. Yeah. Corey Perry is still there. <laughs> like did Paris is Paris got another year. I don't even know. He's got another year there, but um, those are guys that I'm looking at right now. Yeah. And then of course on defense players like Shea Weber, Edmondson, how banged up are they? Can they handle like, how are they going to start next year? Those are all things. Carey Price. Is he going to be good at the start of next season? Those are all question marks that I think if you're the Montreal Canadians, you're going to be a little concerned about, but again, we can only make predictions at this point. It's really hard to say, where they stand. I'd like to know how healthy that team is right now. How many guys are going in the off season are going to need surgery. As yep. we know, player teams that go on these long stretches tech technically go into the off season with at least a couple players that have long-term issues. So it, it all comes down to health for me. And, and again, that's an older team. I think they're going to come out pretty good next year. Long-term. I don't know that they're going to be that effective in the postseason. Okay. Interesting to keep an eye on those are the picks. Now make yours at sportsinteractioncom slash Wally and Mathot. Sports Interaction, providing competitive odds on all sports. They have over 100 different sports that you can bet on. All right. Now, I've been waiting all show for this, and it seems fitting that it's presented by Faces Magazine, who just released their latest edition. Uh, That's with uh, Nick Price, or Nick Price, Nick Paul on the cover. Check it out. Lots of great articles. Um, I just can't wait to see your face here. I I, need to bring in Craig (laughs) so uh, we can get this all captured here properly. And that is, uh, Craig, uh, welcome to the show. it appears that perhaps Craig, first of all, maybe the smartest one of all of us, as he correctly predicted the cup final. Yeah, nailed it. I think that um, <laughs> I was quick to realize that the same team that we were all picking against those previous three rounds, they showed up for the Stanley Cup final. So um, we kind of figured out that uh, maybe that Montreal team, uh, uh, they kind of ran out of gas there. So that was my, that's what I was betting on. Uh, I long suspected that they weren't very good. Uh, they were just, they had a good team. Right. Good. They had a good, good team chemistry. They had a big defense. They slowed the game way down. And I think you try and do that for four rounds. If, unless you have the gas in the tank to do it, it doesn't work. So mm-hmm. I think that they just, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to say I'm smart, right? Like I, I think I picked the odds on favorite, most <laughs> likely thing to happen and it did. So, uh, but yeah, maybe that's, maybe that's part of the genius, I guess. 
Sea Dog and picked him in five. So good for you. You had them in six, though, right? I think. So yeah. you were pretty. I mean, again, you, you got them right. And then Mark went with his heart. Yeah. yeah. Well, my bracket, I, I had Tampa winning the cup on my bracket, but I gassed yeah. that thing after the first round. So, yeah. so uh, you know, so many unknowns happening. So anyway, the thing about those brackets, right, is you look at it and you're like, by then you, you didn't probably want to cheer for Tampa, but you had you picked them to win. You're like this month, you've been following this Montreal team and you've been watching them all year and you've been on just, and off their bandwagon. If I'm going to pick, so. yeah, like if I, I want to pick a team that I'm actually rooting for. So that's yeah. kind of why I had to switch it at the end. But yeah. It's all good. I can I can take my lumps. Okay, uh, well, let me. I get a point on this, and I forgot to bring it up earlier. Is are we okay with bars in downtown Ottawa floating Habs flags everywhere? Is that what they're doing? Yeah, they, they would celebrate the Cup final. They had all kinds of money. No, no, but flags. I'm. But what I'm saying is, were there that many though? Is this like a real thing, or was this yeah, just yeah. a couple pictures floating around? Okay, well. Yeah, I, I mean, that's that sucks. <laughs> you know? yeah, but yeah. I mean, if, if you don't want to deal with half flags downtown, then, you know, ice a really good team, which is what they're doing now. And hopefully they can start playing well in Ottawa and people can kind of forget about the Montreal Canadiens. All right, I'll just leave it at that. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say those bars, though, they get a bit of a pass, right? Like, they've it's been well, tough with the pandemic and everything. Yeah, yeah. Like, if they got to stoop to that level to bring some of those Habs fans in, like, okay, I'll allow it. Desperate I times. I, just, yeah. just bug. I, I understand that completely, and I support small business. I just found that, like, can we not oh, yeah. uh, do a different way? Put up a Canadian flag, not a Montreal Canadiens flag. Um, yeah. Okay, uh, I'm just going to – Craig, you just take the next part here because I'm just going to sit back and enjoy this a little. Which part here? Are we, we, we did a little bet, though, didn't we? What's happening with this? Yeah. We, yeah, I'd just like you to remind Matt about the little bet. I, I think yeah. Meth has to eat a super well done steak or not super well, done, <laughs> very well done. I, I think. Brent oh, getting, Jesus. I, I, I and, and you know what? I'll have a, I'll have a slice too. I don't mind. Uh, Brent, if you want to cook a steaks, I think that's, I think that's kind of your, your win here is you get to feed you. You were right. Yeah. He was wrong. Uh, I'm, I was right, but I was the most right. Uh, but what are you going to do? Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll join and we'll, and we'll enjoy some white waters and we'll enjoy one of those classically cooked Brent Wallace steaks that everybody I, on t-shirts loves do you want me to teach uh to like to season it for you math or anything like is, do you have any requests <laughs> you just you know what i'm being honest with you a little salt and pepper is fine and then if i need to add a little lubricant with some steak sauce no problem <laughs> okay I, I i'm actually quite like this might be the best part of this whole show that since we've started i get to cook you this well done steak just to see you try and eat this <laughs> i can't be that bad as long as it's not like you know, fried to the point where you can't bite into it. I'm okay. It's fine. I'll handle it. And we'll, we'll videotape it if we need to or whatever. It's all good. We'll film that. Okay. Um, uh, we'll hopefully get this done soon. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Craig, let's get on to some trivia, shall we? Let's see if we can yeah. make another bet at some other point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got some more pizzas to give away. Um, so we, actually, we got to start by giving some pizzas away. And then we got another opportunity from our, uh, our good friends at Pizza Forno. Um, man, they got some pretty good stuff there. Uh, people were pretty psyched about that. I saw a few comments about that. I don't know. So hopefully we can uh, we can pop by and grab one at some point. Um, but yeah, Pizza Forno, it's a 24-hour automated pizzeria making tasty artisanal pizzas in three minutes. Guaranteed fresh ingredients and never frozen. Two locations in Ottawa, 33 Clarence Street and 11159 Bank Street. Um, so our first set actually comes from our, our last one with uh, Wade Redden. Um, and we had, uh, we had just asked uh, Ottawa's pick in 10th overall. You guys touched on that earlier. Uh, Who was the last player chosen 10th overall to play 1,000 NHL games? Everybody, well, a few people got it. Uh, the answer was Radic Dvorak way back in 1995. So shout Which, out. By the way, was Wade Redden's draft. 
Oh, okay. Look at that. There's the tie-in. Um, and so, you know, who else knew that it was at T Brad's with a Z 19. Uh, so you scored yourself five pizzas from pizza forno. Uh, you can get them all at once. You can get them one at a time, but you got five pizzas coming your way. So, uh, keep an eye on your DMS because we're going to slide in there shortly. So, Hey, you know what? We got five more to give away delicious pizzas from my, from my friends at pizza forno. So, um, they got eight different options to choose from as well. I don't know if that was the thing you guys knew about, but um, so we got to go maybe try one of the, one or two of them out. Um, but from today's question, so you guys did a great job with Trent, man, by the way, he's one of my, I love Trent. I've got to work with him for years. Um, I got to watch him work his way up from like, he was a part-time scout, I think when he started to now he's chief amateur. So him and his brother, like, I, I mean, those guys, I think if you can get excited about the future on the ice, like if I was going to get excited about the future off the ice, it'd be, it'd be those two guys. I think yeah. And Wally, Wally did a great job. I was unfortunately not able to do that. So you got to give credit to Wally. But yeah, the Sens are incredibly lucky to have those people involved, the Man Brothers, because we, we look at what look at the imprint they have on the team right now. It's incredible. So uh, it's almost kind of scary because it's a situation where we we hopefully won't lose them at any point because I'm sure the secret is out. But again, you nailed it there, Craig. It's good to be giving them some love right now because they're doing all the work behind the scenes, developing these players, choosing these players. That's huge for an organization. It's your, you know, it's your, your lifeblood when it comes to building a hockey club. It's pretty cool. They're, they're different guys too. Like, I, I don't know, I don't know Troy as much because he was in Belleville, but like, I got to meet, know him a little bit kind of over the last yeah. year or so there. And uh, they're very different guys, the way they act, but they're just perfectly suited for the roles they love. Like, yeah. I think that's they love why, it. <laughs> I think that's why they're just as successful as they are. It's like, they're just perfect for that role. Yeah. Well said. Uh, yeah. And anyway, something that uh, uh, Brett asked him uh, was uh, kind of maybe who is, who was he most uh, excited or was, I think you said favorite, but who was kind of, who's a pick that he liked uh, yeah. long-term uh, and that's today's question. So which player did Trent Mann rave about drafting? So if you caught that in our interview with Trent earlier, uh, send us your answer on Twitter using the hashtag Wally and Mathot and be sure to tag at the pizza uh, forno. And um, we're going to reveal the show on uh, winner on Monday show. Brent, you want to talk about Monday show? I'm pretty excited. Well, if there is no uh, breaking news, Elliot Friedman will join us and he promises he won't get a haircut till after being on our show. So <laughs> I, I look forward to having him on. We just spoke yesterday. So he's uh, he said he's excited. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to talk to him. Of course, the expansion list is coming out. So we'll do expansion stuff on Monday. And I do nice. want to say I appreciate and I probably shouldn't even bring it up. The fact that neither one of you reminded me about hitting myself in the face with my own golf club the other day and buckling oh, my leg. Like I, I didn't I, even think of that. I thought, Wally, I thought for yeah. sure that this was a situation where you got like in a scrap at some dive bar around the corner from your house. And that was your way of covering it up. Like that thought, I'm not kidding. That thought <laughs> crossed my mind. I'm like, for sure he got in some scrap, ran his mouth and some guy punched him in the head. But apparently you managed to hit yourself with a golf club. How yeah. the heck does that even happen? So, I, I, I'm almost embarrassed. So we're playing with, uh, I'm with my son and we're playing at uh, Edgewood Links and he's been a bit pouty for a couple of holes. He's 14, but he wasn't hitting the ball. Well, and, I, and I'm kind of annoyed. I'm like, we're not here on tour. Just play the game. If you hit another ball, hit another ball. Anyway, <laughs> I just parred the hole and I went to pick up, I had my putter in my hand and I picked up my wedge at the same time. And you know what you try to yeah. fling it back just to let it slide down. Well, it kept yes. coming and it just oh. me like a baby seal. So yeah. I split me. And then I had that reaction, like, okay, at cool. And then I, then I just buckled and I, it's like, oh my God, I, 23 years in television, I never had a mark on my face except one little time. And now I'm not. And I club myself. Anyway, and that, I think that's what makes me, I think that's what 
gives me the satisfaction is that I know how much pride you take in that perfectly <laughs> manicured face of yours. So knowing that you've got a little nick there, although I can sympathize because it actually, it hurts. Like those clubs, oh. that's got some weight to it. It's like taking a stick to the face. It, it never gets old. The novelty never wears off. It always hurts. It hurts equally every time. So um, like it, it at least you didn't pressure. get stitches. I thought I might need one. Like, you know, the pressure builds and it splits. Like, that's, yeah. oh my good Lord. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I got a concussion. Thank God then, that uh, didn't happen during your match with Ian and, and Sam. Oh, I would have rattled never lived, so You would have never lived that down either. And my <laughs> so. kid's like, he doesn't know what to think. And then he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, no, I'm not all right. Yeah. Was, it le- was it leaking a little bit? A little bit. Like, like, I'm neck? shocked there wasn't it- more blood. Because yeah. it's, I look at it and I got it on my hand. I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna be bleeding all the rest of the day. Anyway, it stopped. So nice. yeah. you could oh, be okay. like, you could be a tough guy, Wally. You know, I know a lot of the tough yeah. guys that I played with in my career. Never, <laughs> it it takes a tur- like a it just takes takes a a certain type of person to not ever cut open. Like I played with some guys that had like leather skin. John Morasti was one. Uh, Brandon Sugden, another guy. Who in Ottawa? Chris Neal. Neiler, yeah, Neiler. Neiler's yeah. a hard, hard guy to make believe. Like you know, he 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 had the odd cut here and there, but from yeah. fighting and stuff, like it's like they just never marked up. It was bizarre. And then I could get hit in the face with this crayon or pencil, <laughs> and I'll probably get a cut, right? So, just depends on the body type. So, Wally, that's yeah. a that's a line of work. There's a UFC event happening in a couple of days here. Conor McGregor's fighting. Maybe you can show up on the undercard. Okay, did you see this press conference? We I meant to bring this up with Kucherov. <laughs> I would rather take the Kucherov presser over this UFC presser any day where they walk out and pretend they're going to fight each other and how tough they are. Just sit down. Well, you know what? There are times where you can believe the hype a little bit because it looks genuine. I think this was the first time for me, at least watching Conor McGregor that I felt like, because I watch a lot of fighting. This was the first time I felt that that was, it was so obviously fabricated. It didn't feel genuine. First time. It was very theatrical. It was very dramatic. And really, Poirier doesn't have the type of, the, 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 the guy that Conor McGregor fighting, by the way, for those listening, is, is Dustin Poirier. They fought twice already. Conor McGregor won the first meeting. Dustin Poirier won the second. They're fighting on the trilogy now on what's it called? What's it called, Matt? The third Pardon? fight here? What's the rubber third match. There you got it's it. the <laughs> rubber match. So they've got this, this big rubber match on Saturday. Anyway. And yeah, they had a little presser yesterday and it was a little, it was a little over the top. I think that they're they always are. A little, and, and, but, but he doesn't need to be doing that anymore because he's going to sell like people are already buying this fight, whether he's dramatic at the presser or not. Right. So I'm agreeing with the Wally. I thought it was a little too over the top the way it'll be tonight. I think so. That'll be interesting to see if some more shenanigans happen there, but otherwise, I mean, who cares? It's just, I think I'm going to watch it. I actually think this will be the first event that I'll stay up past 10 o'clock for. It's, now, it's interesting to kind of to stack it up, though, because have you, I don't know if you guys have been watching, probably not, the NBA playoffs, like they're yep. in the championships now. Like it's kind of neat to match up. Like, OK, how, like look at the NHL, right? It was this big travesty over Kucherov and him being real. And like and then you get the yeah. NBA where these dudes are showing up, like Devin Booker's showing up in like classic cars. And like I've been seeing just, that. Yeah, those man. those wheels that he's rolling in are sick. Oh. But no one had. No one had the Bucks and Suns making the finals, right? That's no. the thing. It's like all the injuries, and that's what I think killed the NBA a little bit. I don't know what the ratings have been like. I'm sure it's a disaster right now. You've got Milwaukee in the, in the Yeah. But, but I but I just think, for me at least, as a fan, once you lose all those marquee players, and of course there are marquee players on these two clubs, but I'm talking about like those, those real big names, uh, I just lost interest right now as a casual, and I haven't really been following it all. So I think that's been a bit of a hit on the NBA. But I agree with you, Craig. It's fun to see – 
the, 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 you know, the guys rolling in in their cars and different fits and stuff like that. It's always a lot of fun. It'll be interesting to kind of see what happens because you're not wrong. Like Guns and the Bucks, right? Like those aren't big markets in the NBA, but they're just, they seem to be marketing their stars better. Do you know what I mean? Oh like, yeah, no, no, I, I'm agreeing with you there. Absolutely. Maybe it's the smaller roster sizes or whatever, but like yeah. guys no like helmets. Devin Booker and yeah, that definitely helps. Well, and, and it's not just that. I think people forget like you can't compare the two sports. You can't. Yeah. We're talking about a ball sport, right? Any kid, it doesn't matter uh, socioeconomically what group you're in, anybody can play, right? Which is great. It's, that's great for the sport. It's a lot like soccer. So, you know, people are like, well, how do we improve, you know, the viewership in hockey? Well, it, you just can't. It's like, it's, it's, it's a very tough thing to do. You know, you can market it really well. They hired that TikTok guy and whatever. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's accessibility to the sport. Anybody can pick up a ball, go down the street at any given point and shoot some hoops. You can't I disagree. just pick up a stick puck. No, Wally, it's the, no, okay. How do we no, make I, I don't argue that point. Why, why, can't, why can't you buy me a horse so I can go play polo with a bunch of people? Because it's expensive. <laughs> I know. And, you have and a there's horse. nothing you can do about it. You have a horse, don't you? No, I've got 25 of them, but I don't think... <laughs> I don't technically own them though. It's a horse rescue on a property, but that's another story. Listen, I, Wally, I know you're going to have some fancy wording here, but come no, on, man. How do no, you compare? No, no, no. I, I don't argue that point whatsoever. Right? The cost of hockey okay. is astronomical. That's not, you talk about marketing the sport though. Like the NHL doesn't market yeah. its stars properly because it doesn't want them to be front and center. Wow. Like Austin Matthews I is also- going out a bit. There's a few guys. Remember Jonathan Marchessault would show up to the playoffs in the, the Lamborghini in Vegas. Like, that was exciting yeah. because that's what we saw. Well, but we don't they, ever see well, that stuff. They showed it. Yeah, but because it doesn't happen as frequently as it does in the NBA, but, right? Like, like but you, make, you make a good point. There's tons of guys with style, like David Pasternak and all these guys. There are lots of guys with style and attitude and I like agree. to be front and center. But we don't, I agree. As, a, as a league, show well, it's, them. It's Well, it's not. No, but it's, it's not just that. Upon. The league, I think. The elite, the league. Okay, culturally, there's a there's a thing too in hockey where you're a little more reserved, maybe. But forgetting about that, look at all the major news outlets like Bleacher Report, ESPN, Sports Center in the U.S. They're the ones covering and giving love to all these NBA guys because they get the viewership and they know that yeah. it's going to get the clicks. Those those big outlets are the ones that you need covering your sport. And right now, they're just not doing it a lot. Like if Marcia so walks in in a fancy suit and a Lambo, you know that ESPN is not going to put it on their Instagram page. It's just not going to happen. But not yet. If you follow, if not yet, but if you follow Bleacher Report or any of these other big outlets, sports outlets accounts, they're always flooding their pages with NBA content because people want it. Right. So. The NHL is so small in the U.S. that if you go to ESPN's website, I think it's a click down on more sports if you're looking for NHL. Exactly. So That's my the point. problem That's is yeah. it's the league needs to – like I've covered Daytona 500s and NASCAR events who are much bigger yeah. on scale compared to the NHL. It would blow your mind of just yeah. how small the NHL is, right? Well, it, So it, the right. NHL needs to yeah. sell itself better. It needs to do uh, a better job of okay. promoting its own stars. Yeah, I, Okay. But we all agree. I'm agreeing with you on that, Wally. I have no argument. Of course, they need to promote themselves better. I think what you saw the other night with Kucherov is a good example of something that you yeah. need. Whether people like to admit that or not, that's another that's another conversation. But we need we need this stuff. You need storylines. You need personality. You need the NHL yes. to encourage that. So again, you know, guys like PK Subban, they do a great job on social media at building their own brand. And in turn, when you build your own brand, it's good for the league as well, because it draws more right. eyeballs, right? So everybody knows we PK Subban. That. So, but, but, but the but, problem but, but with for the your mo- stars, like Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby are I know, they're quiet. very and, reserved people. Yes. Right. And, and again, but you know what? Help. Wally, 
to that point though, and this is something that I learned over the years when I played, I never wanted to, and I, I'm not comparing myself to the stars. I'm not, there's no way I'm doing that. But, but my point is I never threw myself out there, especially during a season because the season is such a grind and you mm. don't want to create a distraction for your team. That was always my thought process was like, I'm doing this really cool, fun thing today. I'm test driving a Ferrari in Florida or something. I never wanted to post any of that stuff because I didn't want people to think that I wasn't focused on my craft or that yeah. I was distracted because I was worried I'd have a bad game the next night after posting something like that. That's, that's how scared I, I was that. to post too much. So, so I can understand to a degree why players do what they do. It's just a different game and, 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 and the mindset's a little different and it, it needs to change Wally. I agree with you yeah. that there, there needs to be changes. Craig touched on it as well. I don't know how you do it, but you need to have this huge campaign where you just, you just market the crap out of all your young stars that are currently in the league now, because those are the ones that are prevalent on social media. And you got to figure out a way to get reach out to those big outlets so that they can start promoting it too. But I don't know uh, how you do that. So let me throw this. Why is it okay that for the NBA then to market its stars and there's not a distraction around it? Well, they don't. Yeah. I think over the years, and that comes from the players, and you're starting to see it at the NHL level too, where players come to the rink dressed up however they want. They're showing their own personality. They have their own touch on their clothing. I love it. I'm a huge fan of the NBA. Every year I watch it. I'm, I'm drawn to it because they do such a good job promoting it. And they've got the star power that back it too. That's something we can't forget. You've got all these influential people, actors, musicians, whatever. They're all huge fans too. And they're posting themselves going to games. They're talking about it. They're fans of the players. They interact with the players. Those are all little things that I don't think the NHL can compete with. I, I just think they've got to find a way to push through those barriers of being reserved, yeah. being quiet to let people in, to see these guys. They I are agree. great people for the most part. I yeah. enjoyed covering all NHL players. Let's find totally. out what they're actually like. People have yeah. no idea. Like you're a metalhead. People have no idea. Now they can relate to that. And you hear all people talking about it. And John yeah. Cooper was wearing like a metal band t-shirt. I think the other day at a press conference, right? Like he's a big metal guy. You guys yeah. can relate to that and have conversations outside of hockey and know yeah. and, uh, people can come in and know that, you know what, we have the same interests. That's yeah, a huge thing. So it sounds like yeah. a job for content is what I think. I think the NHL, exactly. a, a big, big struggle is the, the NHL's content. It just doesn't yeah. hit this, the marks the same way. And Craig, you would know on that. Like, like when yeah. you watch, when you see their page and I'm not criticizing their work, I think they just need a bigger division. I think they probably need more people, but based off of your experiences, like, how would you grade the NHL's content exposure? Uh, it's too safe. It's too yeah. like, cause they Not have edgy they, enough. Well, they have the difficulty of trying to, uh, they want to be family friendly, but you're also trying to bring in kind of a more like adult mature audience and it just doesn't always land. So I think the right. problem is they're, they're just, not, I mean, hockey players are not, they don't tend to have as much personality as maybe basketball players. I'm not, I don't know if that's just the, the I think bringing it through the sport. Like it's you're, publicly, publicly. I think they're yeah. just as personable, if not more. In fact, yeah. I think they're more personable. I think you get better interviews out of players for the most part. Uh, they're they're well-spoken. It's just mm. a matter of getting them out of that comfort zone when they're under the camera, right? And that's an yeah. issue that they have right now. I don't know how they fix it. I think with the NBA too, like one player can win you again. You know I mean? You have your stars, right? Like those yeah, guys. Exactly. And so, exactly. whereas in the NHL, it's a team game, right? Like you can't have a me first attitude in the NHL. Like you can have it yeah. like Kobe Bryant wanted the ball and he wanted to shoot every play. Like, yeah. it, so, I mean, you can have that in the NBA. If you do that in the NHL, you, you brand it. Yeah. Selfish, and that's why like, I don't. It's just a little different. Right. So it's yeah, harder. And that's, to... 
Exactly. And that's why I don't like comparing the two sports because they, they are incredibly different and you nailed it right there. It's, it's a much more individual sport. So you have a marquee guy or two on each team that is just heavily promoted all the time, right? They're on all the billboards. They're everywhere. You don't really get that at the NHL level. It's a little different. Yeah. The, the interesting thing to watch will be over the next couple of years is both leagues are kind of going through like a refreshing of their stars. Like you're seeing yes. that in the NBA, like LeBron's kid is almost old enough to play in the NBA. Yeah. You know, like he's old, which is wild. Like, yeah. You know. Now he's still amazing and everything, but you're starting to see these new stars come in in both sports and even Connor, like you have Connor McDavid and Nathan McKinnon and you have all these like amazing guys just kind of hitting their prime now in the NHL. And you have that in the NBA as well. And it's just like those guys, they're just marketed differently. So, I mean, yeah. it's great. Uh, I think a, a big success, and I mean, this is kind of hopefully the secret sauce for us too, is like players talk different around other players, right? Like uh, whenever we tried to do fun content stuff, it was like, get more than one guy in a room and they start acting like themselves. So I yep. think that's a big, and maybe that like, like the, the Ryan Kessler thing that Sportsnet was doing like that and Kevin BX said doing that, like I see more of those guys that have personalities now dipping on the media side my yeah. friend mark mathot for example as well like yeah. you guys are the guys that are going to drag the personality out of these players you're the ones that the kids will feel safer talking to you because you're a veteran right like you're a guy yeah. that's done it they don't feel like they have to send so i think that's going to be one of the things i mean look at tnt right like they're, they're trying to replicate the nba stuff uh for the nhl now like they're just bringing in a bunch of personalities and former players that can hopefully drag some new personality into hopefully so, that's hard that's a tall task because that tnt panel that's the bar right like that that's yeah, the that nba that one is unreal that nba panel like you don't even have to be a basketball fan wally i know you can agree with this it's yeah. it's just it's entertaining, it's like, you're, you're just drawn to it and they're half yeah. the time they're not even really talking about any specific play going on in the game it's just generic fun stuff and they have fun that's that's yeah. the key I will Wait, say in Canada, the CFL on TSN had uh, that great panel when they had Jock Climbing and Chris Schultz and stuff. Like that was another panel. Yeah, just they're lively. To. Yeah, Jock they were so around. And, yeah. yeah, I agree. Totally so he's agree. adding something and a little better entertainment to it. Yeah, I don't like some, you can break down plays all day, but like, yeah. Make bets. Make someone eat a well-done steak. Let's go. Like, that's yeah. kind of the fun stuff. <laughs> it, it basically comes down to we need more Freddie Kleisen in our lives. That's what it is. Yeah. So. I so, agree. Agreed. Uh, that's our show for today. If you want to order uh, shirts, mugs, go to wallymathot.com and check out our website. Um, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Meth, I will get the steaks prepared and ready for you to chow down on. Uh, we will see you live on Monday at noon. Have a great weekend, everybody.